you are now tuned in to the NTTB podcast in association with Crossover Radio. Thunder up. And welcome in to the NTTB podcast. Uh, this is your host, Alex. Uh, we're doing a special, uh, kind of a special solo edition from, from myself. And uh, we actually had the opportunity to go ahead and interview somebody who has a little bit more, a little bit more insight into Terrence Ferguson, into his career over in Australia. And so I got to speak with a, a reporter, a sports reporter over there named Will Crouch, uh, who covers actually covered the Adelaide 36ers, which was a team that Ferguson played for, and had a lot of insight into the the process of him getting over there, number one, and then you know some some background information as far as when he was on the team and what the team uh, kind of helped him with. Uh, so without further ado, here is my interview with Will Crouch. Let me welcome in uh, Mr. Will Crouch of Nine News Adele uh, in Australia. Uh, Will, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be chatting. That's good. That's good. All right. So, you know, recently, well, let me let me just go ahead and introduce you. Uh, so, so you're Will Crouch. You work for uh, News Nine over in Adele. Um, any, anything else about you? Do you do you do you do sports or do you do more reporting, like regular reporting? Yeah, so I've been I've been at Nine News for about three years now, and um, I kicked off originally covering news, but um, at you know at my core, I'm a sports fanatic, love just about every sport under the sun. And uh, about a year ago, I got into the sports side of things. They um, had a gig and uh, gave me a shot at that. So I've been doing that for the last year, and um, yeah, it's fantastic. We've got Australian rules football over here, which is probably our biggest sport, but. Um, you know, we also get around basketball, soccer, a mm. little bit of everything, really. So it's it's good fun. So, so when you say Australian rules football, that's is that rugby? No, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a funny question. It's um, it's this hybrid sport. It's only played in Australia, uh-huh. and it's kind of a mix of um, rugby, American football, soccer. There's a little bit of everything to it. Oh, uh, really? No pads. Yeah, there's no pads. It's uh, short shorts. They play on this big oval, <laughs> uh-huh. and um, at each end there's a uh, there's a set of goals, like goal posts, uh-huh. not like a soccer goal. And uh, the player's objective is to uh, kick the ball, but they can kick it like a uh, like a punt, like in the NFL, rather uh-huh. than a soccer kick. They can use their hands, and uh, you want to kick as many goals as you can. And to get the ball from one end to another, you can you can tackle, you can. Uh, uh, kick it, you can hand pass it, you can do just about everything. It's oh, a, wow. Uh, it's, it's an incredible sport. <laughs> has has anybody has any, anybody ever tried to make the leap from Australian-style football over to American-style football? We've had a few players actually go and play as punters in American-style football in NFL. Sh- like Sh- Shane any- Leckler, right? Is he, isn't he Australian? We've got oh, the biggest name I remember. There's a guy called Ben Graham who was okay. on the... Uh, on the Eagles, I think, uh-huh. and uh, I think he actually played in the Cardinals Super Bowl a few, the year, a couple of oh, years wow. ago when they lost to the Steelers. Uh, but we've had a few guys come and punt uh-huh. um, because that leg action kind of carries over. Mm-hmm. But um, no one's quite on the uh, athleticism level to go over and play, uh, you know, uh, quarterback or running back yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just I think whenever you have a it's kind of like a hybrid sport. It's only a matter of time before somebody gets discovered 
with you know uber athleticism and they bring him over and they actually succeed in the league so i'm pretty sure that day is coming here soon it's it's kind of funny on the on the vice versa of that we've had a few american guys come out of college and come over and um, be put on lists for some of the clubs and no one's been overly successful yet but Uh you're right i think it's only a matter of time you know when you come out of four years of college um, like a lot of these guys do, and you have that elite athlete body, it's it's only a matter of time before someone you know picks it up pretty naturally. Most definitely. Okay, so let me ask you this. I mean, before we get into Terrence Ferguson, we got we have a guy on our team uh, who's a Kiwi. You know, Stephen Adams. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah. So, so do you guys ever you know get into banter?s Maybe with maybe with other Kiwis where you talk about you know <laughs> Stephen Adams versus you know Andrew Bogut or Dante Exum or things of that nature. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny. I don't have too many Kiwi friends, but there's certainly a big rivalry between Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at its heart, it's friendly, but there's a big rivalry in the rugby. Australia and New Zealand are kind of most of the time top dogs, mm-hmm. and um, New Zealand have certainly had the advantage the last couple of years. So there's a bit of bitterness there. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, um, a big Australian sport in uh, the women's side of things, is netball, and the Australians and the Kiwis are always the the best two teams in the world for that so oh yeah there's, there's good rivalry between the uh new zealanders and the australians and it's kind of funny when it comes to the nba i think a lot of australians kind of like to claim stephen adams because he's so <laughs> close to australia but you know if it came down to new zealand and australia playing off against each other it'd uh-huh. be that you know we hate new zealanders so, <laughs> so, so it's kind of funny like so that. whenever the aussies play the tall blacks you guys are like uh i don't know that that stephen adams guy yeah. <laughs> exactly right <laughs> Exactly right. But him and Bogut are kind of funny comparatively. They're both big, strong guys who uh-huh. can, you know, Bogut's probably getting a, a little bit older now, but, you know, they're kind of that similar player, aren't they? The big, strong interior presence. They're very similar. They're, actually, you know, whenever I look as far as a comp for Steven Adams, you know, Andrew Bogut always comes up. You know, it's, it's a shame with him that he suffered that arm injury and that kind of derailed his career uh, because yeah, I, I think absolutely. he was on his way for not necessarily superstardom, uh, but somebody who who possibly could have made a couple All Star teams and been, you know, been more effective than he has been the last couple years. Yeah, and he certainly showed glimpses of that. Like when he's healthy and when he's in the right system, he showed glimpses. Mm-hmm. But it, you're right. Sometimes when you when you get an injury, it can really just um, make life hard. Yeah, I mean, you have you guys have had a couple guys that have had a couple in you know injuries. For instance, Dante Exum, he suffered the uh, ACL tear. Was it last season? Yeah. I think or two years ago in uh, international play during the off season. Uh, so, but I, I, I'm starting to notice a lot more um, Aussies coming over to the NBA. Yeah, like basketball has always been hot in Australia. It's always been popular, but mm-hmm. uh, last couple of years with that, I guess the international flavor of the NBA, where teams are looking at other leagues and teams are looking colleges as well, are mm-hmm. looking at bringing in guys from overseas. Like if you're a college and you're bringing in the best player from Australia, there's every chance that player can be a really good player. Yeah. Um, so it's really awesome to see. Like, and even uh, two of the 36's teammates of Terrence, who I know we're going to talk about, they actually went and played at the summer league um, with the Utah Jazz. So okay. it's kind of cool. Like you're seeing even guys in your own backyard, guys in the same state as you, they're uh, they're going over and they're you know they they probably won't make the NBA, but they're getting a shot at it and they're getting you know it, it is becoming a, a bigger presence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's Australian presence. There's starting to be a big contingent. You know, you have Patty Mills, you have uh, Della Vadova. He's Australian, also, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have Della Vadova, Patty Mills. You have uh, Exum. A lot of point guards. I'm noticing that. And then you have Bogut. Yeah. 
I mean, Joe Ingles is... Uh, yeah, Ingles, there we go, yeah. He's, he's got a nice contract, but he's kind of that Australian style, not the super athletic, but kind of a smart player. Guy. Oh, man, I, where to be, I love him, man. Team thing. I love he's watching him play. Player. Yes, I love watching him play, and I love... You know, I love what he did for Utah last year, and I think he's well-deserved of the contract that he got. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit scared for him now because he's kind of going into a role where Gordon Hayward left, and he's probably going to be thrust into the starting lineup. So people are going to be trying to compare him uh, to Hayward. And, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's good to be the guy after the guy that came after the superstar. It's, it's, it's going to be hard for him because they're kind of apples and oranges. They're similar mm-hmm. players, but at the same time, Joe's a, Joe loves passing the ball. He's a bit of a reluctant shooter, even though he's a great shooter. Yeah. He likes distributing the ball and spacing the floor, whereas Haywood, uh, he can do all those things, but he's also an all-star. He's yeah. a guy who can score, he can defend, he can be the man, um, yeah. take the shot, whereas Joe's a little bit of a different player to that. So I think it'll be interesting, but... Um, I think Jazz fans should be pretty pleased they've uh, hung on to Slow Mo Joe, I think you guys call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does have that game. He does have – it's kind of like a, I saw on your Twitter where you had the, the picture of the, I guess, the Spurs championship. So he, he kind of plays a lot to me like Kyle Anderson, kind of like that Slow Mo. Yeah. You know, just absolutely. slow enough to where he can kind of survey the field and see what's going on, and then he makes the play that he needs to. Absolutely right. I'm a big Spurs fan, and I like that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so moving on to to the 36ers. Uh, so you have this team over over there, and is it Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide, Adelaide, Adelaide. The 36ers. We've we've got this league, the NBL. It's the Australian Basketball uh-huh. League, and uh, I saw an article on ESPN recently. They reckon it's the tenth best league in the world. So that gives you an idea That's of what good. the kind of play players are. Mm-hmm. The NBA is obviously number one by a long shot. Then you kind of got those Euro, a few of those Euro leagues that are pretty big time. And then the NBL kind of comes in 10th place. So the talent is different. Um, we've had a few NBA guys come in over the last couple of years as imports. We've had uh, mm-hmm. Josh Childress and Al Harrington. Oh, wow. But those guys are kind of, they're kind of coming over at the end of their careers. So it's, uh, it was a pretty big day when the Sixers announced that Terrence Ferguson would be coming over. This guy who you're seeing on mock drafts and uh-huh. team, team junior USA teams scoring three-point records and, you know, big ceilings. So it was a pretty big day in Adelaide when the uh, Sixers said, yep, he's going to come over and skip college to play with us. So uh, the, the excitement levels were pretty high um, oh, yeah. from the get-go for him. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, funny you, it's funny hearing you say the Sixers uh, because, you know, most people that are going to be listening, listening to this podcast, they're not going to realize it's the 36ers, not the 76ers yeah, that we're talking 76ers, about. 76ers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay, so Terrence Ferguson, so he went over there, you know, like you said, right after high school. Um, he had the opportunity to go to several different colleges, uh, but because of whatever reasons, either financial or academic, uh, he chose to go play overseas. He chose to go play in Australia. Um, do you have any any background as far as, like not necessarily who recruited him or was there was there anybody i know his agent probably had a lot to do with that but was it yeah so yeah it's an interesting story terrence actually said to me a couple of times because the uh the way the media works over there it's pretty free like it's i imagine it's pretty similar to the um to the way you guys operate with the nba but it's pretty free we can talk to the players at trainings we can come Mm -hmm. out to their sessions um after games and he said to me a few times um you know, it, it was a tough decision to make, but, you know, he, he's kind of grown up with without much money, without much for his family, and his family have had some pretty trying times. And to be able to, you know, get a, get a contract with a professional team who 
actually have his best interests and they've said to him, look, we want you to come for a year. We want to look after you. We want to build you up. And then we want you to go straight to the NBA. Mm. He said, yeah. Oh, wow. So, so it wasn't necessarily... Yeah, why not? That's a fantastic... Uh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily them trying to hold him. They said, look, you come over here, we'll, we'll kind of help train you up, and then you make a decision after that. Is that basically what they said yeah, to him? Yeah, exactly That's right. Nice. That's and, cool. and Joey Wright, the, uh, Joey Wright, the sixes, the 36s, I should say, their <laughs> coach, he's, um, he's won Coach of the Year in the NBA. He's a fantastic coach. Can't speak highly enough about him. He, um, he worked with Terrence every single day after training. They did extra sessions together. They did extra workouts together and joey said my goal for you is to make you a good nba player make oh, wow. you ready for the nba he didn't want to say hey we want you over here but we want to keep you for an extra year or we want to hang on to you mm. or anything like that from the get-go he said this is all about you that's, being the best possible version of yourself for the nba that's interesting because you know some other high schoolers have had that experience where they go over uh you're talking about you know branding jennings and Oh man, you had another guy. I forgot who it was, but he never actually made it to the NBA. He made it to a couple summer leagues, but he had to go play right. in what was it? Israel, I think. Maccabi Haifa. And you know, they had different experiences. They had much different experiences. It wasn't necessarily yeah. you know, a club saying, "Hey, come over here. We'll help you out in your basically in your journey to get to the NBA." You know, they you know, those clubs actually wanted a player to play, you know, to play for them and it kind of went sour at the end. So it's kind of interesting hearing um, Terrence's story, where the club basically said, "Look, we know we know what your goal is. Come over here, work for you know, play for us, and we'll help you get to your goal." Hopefully, and it's kind of funny because Joey was always Joey Wright was always on the on the, the uh, belief, I guess, that Terrence scoring twenty points a game, mm-hmm. uh, but getting exposed on D or missing a lot of shots that that doesn't translate well to the NBA scouts because they see a guy who can put up numbers but you know mm-hmm. may not really be ready to play defense may not be um, a guy who can actually score at an NBA standard so Joey actually eased him in there some games Terrence hardly played because of mm-hmm. the matchup because of the style of play um, so Joey was really smart in his coaching this year um, and you know he eased him into the rotation as well it's not like in the first game of the season they said this guy's going to be our our savior and you know bring us the title they said all right you're going to watch and learn for these first couple um we'll get you in but he, he kind of took on a bigger role towards the end of the year um mm. once things are a little bit more comfortable but there's actually a, there's actually a good story um a i think his name's raheem brown i think he played on a few nba rosters he's based in adelaide now uh-huh. and he set up this thing called the dream academy and the dream academy is designed for guys like Terrence who want to play in the NBA, who want to make a career out of basketball, um, to come over and they kind of help them. The Dream Academy helps players get set up with uh, the 36s and with other clubs, um, with oh, coaches, okay. with um, you know nutritionists, people who can help them achieve that goal. So Raheem Brown was a guy who gave Terrence a lot of help um, and a lot of mentorship away from the Sixers. Um, and those two, the Dream Academy and oh. the 36s, kind of worked hand in hand a little bit to help him uh, achieve his goal. That's interesting because I've I've seen that he's he's you know I've seen that whenever they talk about him. Of course, they they mention Adelaide Thirty Sixers, but they also say the Dream Academy. And I always thought that was kind of like a, a an academy here. You know how we have you know we have like the Bradenton Sports Academy in Florida, and yeah, we have IMG yep. and things like that. Um, so that's interesting that that's oh, that's based over there in Adelaide. I, I did not know that at all. Yeah, so Raheem did a lot of work with Terrence, um, but yeah, it's uh, 
it's amazing. It's really paid off, hasn't it? He was the first to kind of ever do it in uh -huh. the NBL, Terrence. And um, I think the result kind of speaks for itself, the fact oh. that he was drafted. And uh, I think just yesterday he kind of put pen to paper on that contract. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he actually uh, – was it? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, he, he actually did put uh, pen to paper. And uh, they they'd had the media release, the the official media release, and yeah, he's he's officially in Oklahoma City Thunder now. Um, it's so awesome, isn't it? It is awesome. It's it's very awesome. But l let me ask you this: um, so you've gotten to see him play over there, and, and you know it's it's quite apparent that you got to see him progress. Um, so whenever you know, whenever we drafted him, I, I'd heard of him, and of course you do a little bit of scouting, a little bit of research. But all they have on the internet basically is highlight videos, and highlight videos do not show the entire picture. Um, so looking at absolutely, so looking at Terrence's yeah. body of work, what what are his strengths? Okay, so it's kind of interesting. First off, I'll give you this little anecdote. When Terrence came to the team, the thirty six is captain, a guy called Mitch Creek. Hmm. He is one of the best captains in the NBL. Really great player, but also a really great basketball mind. And one of the first things he did with Terrence uh, was put the clamps on him. He, he basically said, yep, you're here to get better, and I'm going to make your life hell for these first couple of weeks because we want you to get to this standard that's going to be really high. Mm -hmm. We want you to be mentally strong. So Mitch made a, Mitch made a uh, point of calling him kid every time, <laughs> every time he saw him. He called him kid. And Terrence didn't really like that. A little mental, said, mental hey, warfare. Yeah, and Mitch said to him, look, man, I'm here to make you a great NBA player. I don't care if you don't like me, but I'm mm. going to work you hard, and I'm going to make life hard for you because you work hard now, and it'll be easier for you later on. So it's interesting. Terrence came in, and he didn't get the rock star treatment from his teammates. They all liked him, and make no mistake, they all wanted his success. But they said, yeah, we, we want you to be successful, so we're going to work hard, and we're going to make you work hard. Um, so Terrence kind of came into this baptism of fire. Uh -huh. um, and look, having looked at his whole season, I'd say if you watch him play, he is the – if you made, went into a lab and you wanted to um, make a prototypical 3 and D NBA player, Terrence is kind of what you'd come up with, I think. Obviously, he won't be that from the rookie year, but he's got really good size, really good length, really good athleticism. Uh, his shooting action is really nice. He shoots the ball – really well. The consistency is still not quite 100% there. Mm. But he shoots the ball really nicely. Um, and you notice uh, he's the type of guy, you know, on a contested shot, he's not always perfect, but looking at him through the season on an open three-point shot, that's almost an automatic in the NBL for him. Mm. He, uh, he was very dangerous at the perimeter. And I think on a team with guys like Russell Westbrook, Paul George, who can drive, draw defenders, draw double teams, he slots in really nicely as a guy who can sit on the perimeter take his shot because one of the other things I've noticed about him through the year is he's one of those players who has a really good confidence he doesn't shy away from the moment and he doesn't and that's not in the respect that he's, he's cocky or he uh, he wants it to be about him but he when he has the ball in his hands and he shoots it he know in his head that ball's going in the net no matter what oh, uh, which funny. I think is a, a really good uh, attribute to have defensively he uh, he probably struggled a little bit but I think most of that comes down to in the NBL, the fact he's an 18-year-old kid who's been playing against 18-year-olds and 17- and 16-year-olds. And he's coming into a league where you've got Olympians, you've got um, giant guys from Europe and America clogging the paint, you've mm. got um, you know 15-year veterans who know the league. So def I think defense, I don't know if you agree, but it's probably the hardest thing to grasp when you enter a professional competition. 
So he struggled a little bit in that regard. But I think long-term, he's a hard worker. And I think defensively, he will really improve uh, in that. There'll be a teething period, but I think the improvement will definitely come um, come eventually. And I think one of the other things as well that he's really good at, he doesn't go outside his comfort zone. If you watch any of the games he played with the Adelaide 36ers, he was happy to be part of the machine. He didn't go out there uh-huh. trying to get up 20 shots a game. He didn't go out there trying to you know, put the highlight reels on. He went out there to do his job to play defense on who he was asked to shut down and take the shot when it was there. And he did that really well all season. Oh, wow. That's... That's a great scouting report. I mean, that's that's awesome. Huh? <laughs> so, okay, so those are, you know, kind of his strengths. Are, is there any any glaring weaknesses uh, other than maybe maturity and experience? Not necessarily maturity, yeah, uh, but experience and maybe strength. Um, is there are are there any other weaknesses? Is he able to? Is he a good playmaker? Is he able to handle the ball well? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think long term, he he. Prog- he projects to be a 3 and D player. But if he wants to be a good shooting guard and really kind of take that two spot for his own, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, one year down the track, five years down the track, whatever, mm-hmm. I think ball handling is probably one he has to improve just a little bit, just tighten up that handle just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, as I mentioned, I think he can be a good defender, but right now, He's in a position where he's going to have to work really hard. Um, he did get caught out a little bit during the NBL season, just kind of reaching, just getting beaten on that first step uh, and, you know, getting that cheap foul that you, you can't really afford in the NBA. Um, and it's not, it's, I think it's just one of those things, like I said, it's a teething issue that will uh, eventually become something that, you know, he can turn into a strength of his. But, um, you notice that the stats say in the NBL he wasn't a great player, and I kind of touched on it before. I think that's a little bit misleading because there were certainly games he didn't play much. There were games when he was asked to just do a defensive role, and uh, you know he wasn't looking for his shot. So I think the stats don't really tell that story. But I think if you if you're looking for the the weaknesses, I guess on Terence or where he needs to improve, defensively is probably the big one. Working on that handle, I think is uh, is another one, but. I think as well, if you like, I said, if he wants to be a good shooting guard, I think off the ball he needs to probably learn to move just a little bit better, fight around screens. Um, he's a great set shooter. Like if you look at him at training, he'll hit twenty threes in a row. He's just got that beautiful motion mm. when he's standing still and he's set. I think if he can get moving off the ball, work around screens, catch, turn, shoot, fade away, that kind of thing, he could be a really great player. That's 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 very interesting because. You know, it's it's like you said, he his stats don't look very they don't they don't look very good when you look at him, especially for somebody who's drafted in the first round, and for somebody whenever a lot of times you know the the lay NBA fan looks at somebody that plays overseas, especially a younger player, and if they don't if they don't dominate, uh, that they, they they always ask why. You know, they're always like why you know yeah. why didn't they dominate? This is an American player. Why didn't they dominate when they went over to Australia? Or they went over to Israel? Or they went over to China? Why you know? And it's you know it's it's something that NBA scouts have different eyes than the NBA fan, and it's it's very it's very it's it's very interesting to listen to you who has seen him play, and see probably what the Thunder scouts have been seeing, not necessarily what the NBA fan is seeing. And I think look, it's interesting. I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, you should be ecstatic about this pick because you see it every year in the NBA draft. The, mm-hmm. the build up to the draft grows and grows and. Suddenly, teams start thinking, "Oh no, I need to get this guy. We should, we should reach for this guy. We should trade down." 
they make all these moves, even though the body of work from all these players has been the same since you know the entire college season and, and March Madness. They read into March Madness a lot, but nothing changes from then. And suddenly, guys who are going to be pick five drop to pick twenty, and guys who are going to be you know pick ten go up to pick two. And I think Terence, like it was such a disadvantage for him, the fact that he played a, uh, a you know a second grade comp with stats that didn't light up the box score. Mm. And so I think a teams pro- a few teams probably overlooked him in the scheme of things. But I think. Like I said before, you've you've got a guy like Malik Monk who who goes twelfth to um, to Second, Charlotte, and Charlotte. he's a great he's a great uh, a great scorer, a great two guard. Terence goes twenty one to Oklahoma. I don't think I don't think there's too much difference in kind of what each team's getting. Monk might be a little bit more NBA ready and a bit more of a pure scorer, but in the scheme of things, I think a few teams probably overlooked like a, a team like Detroit going for um, Luke Kennard, I think from Duke, who's a shooting guard. Uh-huh. I think you know maybe that's a little bit of a reach for Detroit, in my opinion. When you've got a guy like Terence, who's just pure athleticism, pure shooting, but maybe needs a year or two just to get that NBA, um, that, that NBA body and that yeah. NBA frame of mind ready. And and I mean not just that. Whenever you're looking at, whenever you're comparing uh, Ferguson to let's say Monk, Canard, uh, and even Donovan Mitchell of Utah, the yeah. one thing he has on them is he's a lot bigger than they are. And so in and this NBA, as far as, as far as length, that helps you out on defense. And that's the thing. It's one of those things. Everyone can work on shooting. Everyone can work on defense. But a six foot seven player is always going to be a six foot seven player mm-hmm. comparatively with a six foot one player. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, you can't, you can't train. And I think, you know, Oklahoma Thunder fans, you know, you, patience is the big one. But I think, you know, you put patience into a guy like Ferguson and he can be a great player uh, for the club. Wow. So, so do you have final question on Ferguson, or, or two more questions actually? Do you have a comp for him? Do you have somebody who maybe is already in the league who maybe you saw and said, "Hey, this player, he might amount to this player." Well, it's funny. I see a lot of people. I've seen a few people say he's like a J.R. Smith, but I don't think he's anything like a J.R. Smith because J.R. Smith's a, a real heat check player, a real mm-hmm. you know shoot fadeaways, shoot from the hip. Whereas Ferguson's a lot more measured. And put it this way. Sometimes these comparisons look a bit crazy. I think a good comparison is someone like Ray Allen. I don't think he's necessarily going to be as good as Ray Allen. I don't think he's going to be one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the game. But I think he's the type of guy who has a very pure shot. He's a hard worker, Ray Allen, very hard worker. And I think Ferguson's got that same kind of work ethic. But I think they, they, they shoot the same kind of way. They... Allen was a, a good defender, and he always worked hard, owned, honed his craft. And I think Ferguson can do the same. Like I said, I don't think he's going to be as good as Rayon, mm. or um, you know, he might not even come close. But I think the style of play is very similar. Uh, you know, I think that J.R. Smith kind of comparison is uh, quite off the mark. I think the Ray Allen style is a, is a lot closer to kind of what you what you get glimpses of maybe mm. in the next two years. So as far as so he's a shooter. So he's going to be a shooter in the NBA, but as far as work ethic and things of that nature and how they play the game, he's more like Ray Allen than he is J.R. Smith. Yeah, I think so, for sure. All right, so one more question when it comes to Ferguson. So we saw that he had a little bit of a protracted standoff with FIBA as far as his clearance. Do you have any background on that? Was it a, a buyout issue? Was it? Do you know what it no, was? I'm not- there's been a few things with Ferguson because he uh, he went to a high school that um, I think uh, primetime uh, Deion Sanders kind of had mm-hmm. set up 
and I think there were some eligibility issues with that. So initially there were a few issues with his college um, signing with college. Then there were some issues signing with the Sixers, trying to get that all cleared up. Then there was issues signing his contract in, with the NBA. Uh-huh. I think he, I think he's just the type of guy. I think there, there have been a few issues there, but I think he's also the type of guy who likes to do his due diligence. Um, his agent's Rich Paul, for, as far as I know. So I think yeah. you know they they like to uh, you know how Rich Paul operates. I think they like to do things their own way a little bit. And, yeah. Um, yeah. As far as I know, nothing nothing out of the ordinary there. Okay. All right. So the final thing I want to talk to you about. So. Anytime I look when I looked you up on on Google, the first thing or one of the first things that came up was an incident with a South African, I believe it was cricket team, correct? Right? Where yeah, was it a so, was that a security guard or was that a player? Yeah, that? so it was funny. the uh, The captain of the South African cricket team, he was in cricket. I know it's not huge in America, but in cricket, you can't tamper with the ball at all because the ball. Uh, does this thing called swinging where it kind of when it bounces it, it shoots back one way or the other uh-huh. um, and to to achieve that players lick their finger and shine one side of the ball okay and kind of like a spit, a spit ball yeah okay and you, the one thing you can't do is use um, anything else to shine the ball you can use saliva but nothing else and there have been a few issues uh, long story short the captain was caught with a lolly in his mouth. Uh-huh. So the ball got a little bit of additional spit shine and a little bit of extra swing. Now, he was, he was, he was caught doing that. And the, me, uh, the, the punishment for that, you go before a, a tribunal judge kind of thing, and the maximum punishment is um, suspension from a, a test match. Uh-huh. And the next test match due to play was in Adelaide, which is my city. And this captain, whenever the media went to ask him questions, he didn't turn up at the media conferences or the security guards formed a wall so no one could question him on anything. So in Melbourne, one of our nine news reporters actually got put in a chokehold by the security guard when he tried to ask him a question. Oh, so wow. they, flew in, they flew into Adelaide and I got told by my boss that they said the, the South African team are coming down, so go and ask this guy a question. Go and ask him <laughs> if he thinks he's going to play against Adelaide because it was very up in the air. So I, uh, you know, I waited at the airport. This guy turned up. He... It's actually quite funny. He was being a bit cheeky. He had a uh, lolly in his mouth at the time, and as he, as the cameras were all on him, he opened his mouth and smiled and showed this lolly off. And so I think he had a bit of a bit of an arrogance, oh, cheeky he, kind of cockiness. He was tro- he was trolling uh, you a little bit. That's right. So I went to ask him the question: uh, Do you think you play in Adelaide? And this one security guard comes and bumps me, and then I kind of said, "Okay." So I tried to ask again. I thought, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Like. Anyway, he threw my mic out of my hand. He kicked it. And, oh, wow. uh, I tried to pick it up, and I've eventually picked it up, tried to ask him one more, and he's thrown me into this glass wall. So that, <laughs> that's probably what you've seen on TV. Yeah, but, um, that's definitely what I saw. It, I think it comes down to the culture. In Australia, like, you know, you do that to someone as a journalist, a, an athlete, a basketball, whoever, they might ask, answer the question. They might say no comment, whatever, mm-hmm. and you kind of leave it alone. I think in South Africa, the way they respect athletes is a little bit different. So maybe it's just that cultural idea that the South Africans thought, hey, you know, you don't get to do this. Whereas yeah. in our culture, it's a lot more, well, no, the media has the right to do this. So I think it was just a little bit of a mix up. A little uh, bit of a culture difference. More than anything. Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. That's, so so, would, so if you had to interview Russell Westbrook and that was happening, do you, do you think the same result would have happened? <laughs> 
I don't think so. I, I know the NBA players. I know some guys like Russ have those moments that go viral and yeah. they, they lash out at reporters. But, you know, it's only ever with words, I think. And they, I think they've got every right to get a bit antsy. They do get a, a hard run of it sometimes. But um, I think, I think you know, the different culture, the way the Americans, um, American athletes answer questions and mm. talk to the media is just so different. And I think they do a really good job of it. So I couldn't see that ever happening with uh, someone in the States. <laughs> All right, Will. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, do you want to plug hey, anything? Yeah, do you want to so plug maybe your your Twitter your Twitter handle or anything like that? Oh yeah, it's at Will Crouch Nine. Um, and yeah, come give me a follow. I like to keep up on the NBA. So yeah, we can go from there. But thanks so much for having me on. It's great to talk about Terrence and looking forward to see him uh, have a real crack at it this year. All right, sounds great. Hey, thank you very much, Will. All right, thanks so much. I'll see you later. All right, talk to you later.